Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode of Misery Hunters is brought to you by Paisley Craft Beer Co. Paisley's Craft Beer Store located in Silk Street in the town centre. There are hundreds of different beers on show for you to take away or even sit in and enjoy. Not only that, one season ticket holders will get 10% off beer purchases on match days when you present a valid season ticket. That's the takeaway or sit in as well. You can click and collect via their website www.paisleycraftbeer.com. That's www.paisleycraftbeer.com. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Mark Jordan. Hello. And Andrew Christie. Hello. Uh, it's been a depressing couple of weeks. <laughs> yep. I have to no, say the person so who tweeted is asking us if we're going to change our name because there was nothing to be miserable about. This is your fault and it's only your fault. I should have your name. I should have had your name ready, shouldn't I? But... We've proved, proven time and time again. Never doubt this. We know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, there's always something to moan about with St. Morning. When you think there isn't, oofed. that's when it comes and hits you in the face with a shovel. But we have three yeah. games to talk about, unfortunately. Three defeats. Three <laughs> <laughs> uh, after. Three shots on target as well. Don't, don't three, forget three that. Shots three shots on target. Yeah, yeah. And we thought we had attacking issues under Goodwin. Who would have thought that that was going to get worse? Um, maybe he's over management from the, the site. I mean, we can talk about this later. He's over management from the sidelines where he's constantly shouting at every single player is actually what kept the team together. But um, first game we'll need to talk about is the Hearts game. Uh, I mean, we started okay. And I guess we were relatively... I mean, I was going to say we were relatively... I can't even think of the word. Um, I'll just say we're relatively in it. That's not what I was meaning, but competitive. Uh, that's the word, competitive. I've had a long day at work. Leave me alone for um, a full twenty-two minutes. <laughs> until yeah, I think, we, uh, I think the the red card really did just just mm-hmm. kill it, didn't it? Um, I mean, saying that even then, before before Ronan's red, um, Liam Boyce had maybe two or three fairly clear chances to put Hearts ahead. Yeah. So. Yeah. While the, the red card definitely confirmed that the day was away from us, I think it was, I don't know if it was necessarily going to be a day anyway. Um, and with Ronan's red card, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's much really debate around it. I think it's a pretty stonewall red. I also think, um, to be honest, Marcus Fraser was quite lucky not to get uh, punished for the tackle on yeah. Nakai Stephen just literally a second before it. So, Good team. I mean, we could. I was as as much of a red as Ronan's in my mind, um, but for every reason, the ref didn't didn't see it. The ref, and, didn't, I mean, the ref didn't see Ronan's either. It was right in front of um, Brother Beaton. Yeah. Um, 
with the fourth official getting involved in like I mean it, like the slow motion replay shows you he was like straight looking at it it was if the referee had missed it which he did he was always probably going to step in what slightly annoyed me though is obviously I think the referee and the fourth official missed um, Fraser's and with the player down holding his ankle or his shin Fraser could have let the ball just go out for a throw in and he decided not to and continued the play yeah, so if anything Mar- Marcus Fra- Fraser's uh, unsportsmanlike conduct got Connor Ronan sent off in a weird butterfly effect kind of way I mean conversely we could have been down to nine men oh. after 22 minutes which from a, a kind of chaos point of view would have been good fun but I don't know how I don't know what I don't know how that would have gone. <laughs> all, uh, all previous evidence is that if we're involved in those nine men, then we'd probably have won one now. Yeah. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Don't, don't know. wouldn't know what you're talking about. That's you're talking about something that clearly didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think with um, Fraser's tackle, I, I think it was actually the worst tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's 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 at speed. He's gone right through him, and I'm surprised that I think it was Mackay Stephen. I'm, I'm surprised he's not. He wasn't kind of properly injured by that, it, you know. With it being quicker and, and it, everything else, the ball bouncing away, fine. He's he's missed it. Having missed that, you were never going to get away with with Ronan's. I, I don't think it's a particularly bad or or even a particularly dirty tackle. I think it's just it's just poorly timed. And once it's happened, there's no you can't kind of put that back in the the bottle. It's it's done. You you can't go and studs in on someone above. I think it, it actually it actually does try and pull out of it, not to kind of defend yeah. it. It's obviously still red, but it does pull out of it. So it just it was just a case of being overzealous and yeah, he's a not bit done in the all. moment. Yeah, absolutely. Which Fraser Fraser has intentionally or not? I don't think it was intentionally, but Fraser's gone. You know, gone right through. Mackay Stephen, you know, you've got to imagine my guy that tricky that there's a possibility to catch him like that and. I definitely did think on balance his was the kind of more aggressive tackle if you want to, to put it that way. I mean, weirdly, the, the sending off actually kind of sprung us into life a wee bit. I thought mm-hmm. the remainder of the half, we looked we looked all right. And obviously there was a big a big penalty shout for uh, Ben Woodburn's tackle on Alex Creeve, which, I mean, for my mind, was a pretty, pretty stonewall penalty again. But um, so now, I guess it maybe, maybe makes up for the one he got against St Johnston, which was very much in the soft category. I mean, I still haven't seen the... a proper angle from that St Johnston one, so I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you have to um, think. Yeah, sorry, Andrew. No, you go, sorry. No, I was just going to agree with you with with regards to, to Grieve for that, that penalty show. He's, he's absolutely put himself in there to get bowled over. I don't think he's got much intention of of chasing the ball down at the touchline and trying to engineer something. I think he's been very canny, which, to be fair, was the one thing that I wouldn't really have credited Grieve with. I, th- I think, you know, you, you don't want to overuse the, the phrase, but I, th- I think there's a lot of truth in saying that he is he is quite raw. He's, he's not played football at a level before. And sometimes, for all the attributes he's got, he's maybe not that kind of savvy, always in the right in spot. The yeah, he's not necessarily that guy and, and you're kind of expecting that to come with a bit of full-time training and, and full-time football against teams you would expect of a, a slightly higher standard. Um, so I wouldn't have necessarily thought that was his game, but he, he's, he's intelligent. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't make it look like a dive at all. He, he just does that thing where he's, he speeds up, gets in front and then just drops a half yard of pace out of his Mm-hmm. He's run. He's not. He's not thrown himself down or anything like it. He's genuinely been bundled over, and I think that makes it all the more we frustrating him, that it's not led to a penalty. Obviously, we'll talk about this game later, but we we seen him do it against Celtic as well at one point, which yeah. completely enraged in, enraged the quite amateurish commentary team. <laughs> but uh, no, a thing or two about them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we will uh, talk about that game later. But uh, yeah, the, I think the referee's performance on a whole was pretty bad because I'm pretty sure Hearts did get denied a penalty that might have been a penalty. Or yeah. 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 Is that a handball? A handball, that was it. Uh, yeah, and it was like a, pretty much a, for me, like Stonewall. It was against Dunn. Was it Dunn? Uh, power. I, I was that just before Power pretty much picked. Oh, yeah, it was Power. Up, but, yeah, <laughs> it was. We had um, there was there was two kind of um, back to to back where um, was it Beningamini that that missed? Glad that, you that said the name, not me. <laughs> could have had one from him, 
which was you know could have gone either way, and then the power one I think was was it not that long after after that they kind of offset each other. You, it all adds up to being a, a poor refereeing performance, and, and I'm not having enough support from from his officials. Mm-hmm. But in the, this, I don't think it changed the game. You know, I think if we were to get that one, then you could probably give Hearts the other one. And, yeah, I and think then, realistically, as soon as their goal went in, I think it was about on the 65th around then, around 65th minute. As soon as that goal went in, that was kind of that was it. And then with the second, fairly quickly after, just kind of sealed it. And realistically, we didn't really offer a lot going forward. I think that was one of the games we had. Did we have a sink? Did we have a shot on target that game? I don't know. I don't I think, think we so. did actually. But um, yeah. yeah. Although saying that weirdly, because obviously we play Hearts at the weekend in the in the quarterfinal. I think I don't think um, someone will be looking at that game and be necessarily too worried about based on that performance we won't be too scared of hearts just based on that day because of the the circumstances it got away with us after, away from us after 22 minutes but kind of by that same token hearts would be looking at us knowing that if they play is right we don't really have a way of breaking them down and so i think it has made it's added a bit of, bit of kind of interest to that quarterfinal and i have a bit of space with the sending off and stuff so i don't it could go either way with regards to the quarterfinal whether it makes it makes it a kind of positive for us going in or them going in. Obviously, they'll be the, kind of the main, the, the big favourites, but I don't know if it's necessarily that indicative of what we could do. I think the the thing that would concern me is that based on the last couple of games, he's, he seems to favour Tanser at left-back and, and Tate. Mm-hmm. And Tate on the right. And, you know, as, as much as um, as Fraser was playing on against, uh, against Hearts, Barry Mackay looked... Looked imperious. He, he's worked yeah. for the for the first goal. is is brilliant. It's everything that you want to see from a winger at your club, and that we we tend not to. Um, you know, you're kind of hoping Jordan Jones will, will be that guy, but it, it, it just shows you what a bit of balance can do when you've got two genuine threats on either wing that can create that kind of space, and, and you can't overcommit to to try and stop one of them. And um, which I think we get we you know we get kind of put in our box quite often. Um, because of that, um, it was excellent, and I think my fear would be that if it's Tate that's up against them in the in the cup, mm-hmm. then we may get absolutely rinsed. Tate does have a habit of getting caught out on a counter attack when he's just so far up the park where he's got yeah. no chance of getting back to. That's uh, does with Barry McKay. Yeah, you you do have a slight worry there. We can talk about their goals. I mean. The one we probably will talk about um, is the claims for the foul on the goalkeeper. Uh, I've seen them given. If it happened against us, I reckon that I'd be raging. So that's probably yeah. where I think. It's certainly one. Of, it. It's certainly one you'd claim for. But if you look at the replay, Jack Anik does take a look back and think, aye. "Oh, that's gone in." And, and then, then we'll, I mean, mm-hmm. aye, it was. Yeah, I, I, you, you don't, you'd obviously claim for it if it's if it's against you, but I don't know it. To dislike the goal would be would be harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's kind of suffered for his kind of blitz spirit of taking one in the dish, but trying to get straight back up and save it. I think if he just stayed down after that, then you're giving the referee a decision to to make at that point. No one wants to be the guy that gives a a goal that literally flies in over the kind of bloodied face of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, once he gets up and dives about and then has the look and then goes down, you're never kind of bringing it back for an injury that you've no. just been, been made aware of. You're, you're not getting that. So I think it was still a bad refereeing performance um, based on all that I've seen and, and all that I've been told of of what else. But to be honest, the red card that we got wasn't a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually think there was a huge amount wrong with the, the decision for, for that as well. There was plenty of other wrong ones that, that kind of you know kind of rule each other out but I think for, for that one we'd have been fortunate to get that mm-hmm. go in our favour uh, we'll move on to Celtic Park uh, <laughs> and the return of the dreaded formation I mean I guess at Celtic Park you can you can kind of accept that especially the way Celtic have been playing they've got extremely fast players and you kind of just want to stifle and make it very very hard for them which we did for quite a set certain amount of period uh, but yeah I think you almost have to go back five against mm-hmm. 
against Celtic in the way that they, they shape up with, with their three forwards and then at least two of the midfielders really piling in. It'd be, you know, you'd be shooting yourself in the foot to go at that with just with, with less personnel. It just, it's just maths at that point. I, th- I think we need to accept that we're not going to get that much possession. We're going to have to have kind of bigger, stronger bodies to cope with what's getting thrown into the the box and then you're relying a lot on, on those wide players to to try and push on and and do something in, in front of it if they can and it, it it didn't work in the end but it wasn't it wasn't a rotten performance we, no. we, we were in the game for I thought we defended really well actually yeah. yeah yeah absolutely I think it was probably the right the right call I've, I've got issues with other aspects of the selection <laughs> but um, I don't um, I don't well, think going to the back five for that game was a bad idea what is uh, your main issue for that selection? That would be Curtis Main, mm. Jamie. Is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is one point I was going to bring up, and I'm pretty sure it'll be a talking point in another match about to come up as well. Curtis Main starting against Celtic. Um, when I saw the lineup, and I was like, "Oh shit!" It kinda, but it did give me vibes of like Jim Goodwin's strange lineup against Celtic at Celtic Park. I can understand why you play main in this match. You're essentially going to be defending the most. As you said, you're going to need big, strong bodies in there. He'll come back and he'll defend set pieces and whatever, and then he's big enough, in theory, to to launch a ball up to. However, it's still Curtis main. And I don't think playing a a Celtic team like that, you're ever going to get much change Mm -hmm. out of throwing the ball 50 yards. Their centre-halves are are playing in the centre circle the, the majority of the mm-hmm. the game I, I think if you're going to steal a chance against Celtic it's much more likely that it's going to be getting the ball in behind Carter Vickers and Starfelt when they've got other things on their their mind Juranovic and um, was it Taylor that, that started at, at left back for them um, are so high up the pitch and have such an attack and role in mind that, that and we've seen it with other teams playing against them in, in Europe and, and whatever else during the season. They're, they're there to be got at if you play at them in the right way. And I, I don't really think anyone's had joy out of them just lumping balls at a, at a lump of wood up up top. I, I don't think that's that's what works. You need to you need to play through them. You need someone like Grief who's who's hungry and playing on the shoulder. And if you put the ball, you know. 20 yards over Starfelt's head he'll probably win a foot race mm. to get to it and it's not just about winning the foot race it's about being able to then take a shot and a shot that's not just a, a pass back it's been able to you know to, to pull something out of nothing and I think you're much more likely to get that out of Grieve you're probably more likely to get it out of a 30% fit Eamon Brophy as well mm-hmm. as you are a Curtis Main. I think that was a, a kind of admission of, of defeat for me you're just kind of opening mixes it a bit and you might get a corner at some point. And if you do get a corner, he's going to have more of a chance of getting to it than their two international class centre half. To be fair, that when Grieve did come on, he did cause some issues. Like in, in the, the in, We've already kind of talked about how intelligent he is as a player and how he will find a fill and get it. And But then, like, I remember him... I think he won two free kicks for us that we'd done absolutely nothing with and it was just a complete yeah. waste. And you've really got to take advantage of those set pieces. Um, something we've not been great with for the past couple of years anyway. Especially against Celtic, I think. Uh, certainly going into that game, they were one of the worst, they had one of the worst records at defending set pieces in terms of where their goals against it came from. So, yeah, the delivery's got to be better than, than yeah. it was on night because you get so few opportunities at, at Parkhead and um, it's, it's all well and good because we did we did defend well. I think even both their goals came from kind of balls falling just to, yeah. to the, just a bit of bad luck. But you have to couple that good defence with some form of outball, some form of attack. I just don't think the way to do that is uh, Curtis Main up top on his own. Mm-hmm. What um, what the back three did give us again, which I've missed. Is uh, that a uh, chance when um, Tanser switched it? So uh, it must have been Tate bombing on, mm-hmm. got to the touchline and rolled it back, and it was just behind Main. And then second most furthest furthest forward player getting on the end of that to almost score is Joe Shaughnessy mm-hmm. out of uh, out of at Parkhead in a game where we've got twenty 
90% possession <laughs> in an open play. He's 90 yards out of position to try and put one in in the six-yard box. That's that's what I've missed, and it's what you don't get in a back four. So. Although I did see someone on Twitter say that we should start um, Shaughnessy and Grieve up front against Dundee. I'm all for it. I'll, I'll take it. I'd rather have Shaughnessy up front than Mullen. <laughs> Danny, bring him home, Mullen. Mm. <laughs> Is he related to John? Bring him home, a baker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, anything else you want to talk about in that match before we move on to the next one? Not massive, and that's a gate. It's, I think. I've I've got issues with the back five or back three, whatever, um, in general, but not so much in a game like that. You know, going to the going to attacking is as naive as going as sitting in and hoping to get luck at that. So just at that point I was kinda of happy to put it down to, you know, Robinson's had two two fairly shit games to start on, like um, losing Ronan so early on against Hearts and then mm-hmm. a trip to Parkhead, which is is um is a big ass for anybody so at that point I was yeah just ready to kind of chalk them up to a, a bit of a false start and uh, which I guess brings us to, to Dingwall <laughs> Coming out of that um, Celtic game I was like you know it was a pragmatic choice it, it made sense at the time I'm not going to complain about it at least when we go to to Dens it'll be a return to the you know the kind of fast paced positive attacking football that you know we've come to to expect not just from Goodwin since New Year, but from from Robinson's Motherwell at their best, you know. And uh, that lasted until about half one. <laughs> it, not dense thing, well. We knew what you meant, but yeah, another back five. I don't know. Do you think the fact of uh, Connor Ronan still being suspended kind of forced his hand a little, like rather than play it like. We don't really have. Do we have another really attacking midfielder that we could have replaced them with? That's... Not, not in the same kind of vein as Ronan, I guess. No, mm-hmm. Kelty so would be Kelty would be the closest, but he doesn't really drop back and yeah, kind of look for the ball in the same way Ronan does. So I don't know. Maybe totally. if that's why. I don't know, and we'll get onto that in a minute. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Dylan Reed. Well, Dylan Reed, he has been recalled. Um, why not? Give him that opportunity against Ross County. Like, let's have a look. Like, I'd rather Dylan Reid play in Connor Ronan's place than the back five that we selected. Um, yeah, like I, I kind of got it. Like, you've got two really fast like wingers from Ross County. You're looking to kind of stifle that, but it just didn't work. And and the biggest point that we, where we lost that match was the halftime substitutions. Yeah. Absolutely. Like bringing Curtis Main on for one of your most creative strikers against Ross County and um, taking off Kilty to bring on um, Ethan Aaron. I, th- I think that's where the game was lost. Because that gives us three fairly defensive kind of sitting midfielders and not much of a, a kind of an out ball. Like Jordan Jones was all. Uh, Jordan Jones has been kind of running a bit hot and cold in the past few games but it's more to do with the fact that he's very kind of really given the opportunity to kind of run at people when he does we, we see him um, create stuff but it's just there seems to be such a disconnect at, there seems to be such a disconnect at well between the, the defence and the attack and I think I think that's where we kind of notice how much we miss Ronan because mm-hmm. he, he's got that ability to kind of drop back and kind of show for the ball and just keep that keep the midfield and attack linked and um, I the the decision to bring on main I think was was just bizarre. Um, I think you know he's got this reputation as a kind of big big strong striker, and I don't it, it doesn't really he's not really used well as a sorry he doesn't kind of lend himself well to being a target man. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know we're kind of saying that in the other game, but I've got I've got some stats in front of me from the rest of the game, so we can kind of back up the, the mud that we're flinging at him. Uh, so in the, the second half, he won three of his nine aerial duels, which for a guy of his size, as a kind of focal point, you need to be performing better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, he completed just six passes in the opposition half. And if you look at his kind of touch map and his heat map, he's so, so deep. He's very rarely in their box or even around their box. So it's just, you can you can understand he'll drop deep to kind of try and 
show the ball and create something, but he's just then not got the kind of wherewithal to follow that up with where he should be. And I think that's when that's the difference between him and Grieve in that role. I think Grieve would be he would be the better option for that. And I, I, I don't think Grieve was in the game much in the first half, but that was just, that was more to do with how the game went rather than how the game was kind of generally going rather than any fault of his own. So yeah, I'd like to have seen him given more of a chance or maybe even Brophy, which, because when Brophy came on, he was mm-hmm. very, very out wide and just not really able to kind of do his, his aiming Brophy things. So I have just, it was a weird game and I think, I think it was just one that Robinson ultimately got mm-hmm. really quite wrong for me. Um, obviously, the um, three games in, it's just far too soon to be making any mad mad statements either <laughs> way. But I think it was it was a it was a massive swing and a miss for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, and, um, sorry, Jim. I think so. And to be honest, from my memory, it's similar to to how he came in and started at Motherwell as well. There was a lot of missed opportunities in that first kind of that first term. Um, you know, that kind of run from the summer to to Christmas. And it was only really when he started to have his hand forced and was playing some of the younger guys that hadn't really broken into the team before. They're all it all clicked. I might be remembering that slightly fuzzily, but you know, that Hasty was out on loan until until the beginning of the January, I'm sure, and he was a key part of that Motherwell team that really pushed on we should, in the second half of that season. We should invite a Motherwell fan on. Uh, I've got, uh, believe it or not, I've got Gogsy's phone number. We could try and get him on <laughs> just to give us a little Q and A about Stephen Robinson. Both met lift our spirits a bit. Uh, well, well, let's see what he has to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, it's, at half time at now now. I don't think there's like if you if you're going to play like the the formation that you are you don't really need to tinker it that much you've still got a decent enough goal threat with Alex Grieve um, Greg Kilty is always going to try and create as many chances as possible I, I just don't understand where the decision to like let's bring on another defensive midfielder and Curtis Main was it like let's switch to the long ball or but again that's not the like I was going to say that's not Curtis Main's game what is Curtis Main's game Answers on a postcard. Um, we'll talk about the penalty decision. Pen- I actually can't remember what it was for. <laughs> it's weird that he runs across Gogic yes. and gets kind of. Uh-huh. It's quite soft. Does get kind it? of. It gets kind of bumped off yeah. um, Gogic and then goes into McCarthy, mm-hmm. which makes it look a lot more like a foul than I think it. It probably was. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you can't necessarily complain because I think Gogic is a bit a bit clumsy with his legs at the same time as pulling his hands out which is you know kind of is nothing surer of saying to a referee please give a decision against me than kind of throwing the hands up um, while while still kind of leaving the legs hanging about and the fact that he then bounces off McCarthy I think makes it look much much worse so it's it's soft you know if, if, if we got it we wouldn't be complaining about it we'd probably be glad yeah of whoever, whoever took the contact, but okay, as it is. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the contact, him, him falling uh, into McCarthy was uh, led to McCarthy going off injured, mm. which I've not, I've not actually heard it in coming to the club since. But hopefully, it's not too much of a bad one. Uh, Communication on our injuries hasn't been that great because there's still not been mm. a word on Anik. Did he have COVID? Is it an injury thing? Because I generally think he has been carrying an injury. He's went down a couple of times this season yeah. with, the, like, a, I think a groin issue. Like I think sports scene said COVID. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, did Lee Hodson play for Kilmarnock? Because I know, is, are they not still roommates? Oh, I right now. Or housemates, even. I don't know. Um, He's um, carrying an injury would explain some of his kicking. That's what then. I've generally thought <laughs> with his poor distribution. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because... There has been a few times where he's held his groin area, kind of. And I don't know maybe whether he's playing through that to try and, like, if his contract's up at the end of the season and he wants a big move, if mm-hmm. he's playing through it, but then surely that would come up in a physio, um, like in a medical even. But we'll see. But yeah. I think the, the galling thing for, for me with with that, you're, you're looking at a game where we've had, like, almost two-thirds possession. Mm-hmm. We've had two shots on target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Against a, against not that good a county team. I know they've had a wee run of games, but 
we had a run of games and we're not that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't necessarily mean mean much beyond you've had a, a bit of a purple patch from you know Charles Cook and um, and Hungbo and and a couple of others that we shouldn't be struggling. I don't yeah. think at I least mean, with, offensively. With the best of respects to to Ross County, um, I think if we have if we were if we have any kind of serious ambitions for a top half finish going away doing well the kind of games we should be seeing away so mm-hmm. yeah it was just it was really really frustrating to watch um, on Saturday we'll move on to uh, talking about the Dundee game which is tomorrow night or tonight depends when you're listening to this um, this is really where Stephen Robinson is going to have to like I'm not saying like we're more we're probably the more level headed of fans in the St Mirren world I mean there's already call like absolute knicker wetting wetting going on right now people panicking and throwing things out the window um, guys that have middle that have uh, nicknames in the middle of their names on Facebook yes almost exclusively are the type of people that will be calling for them to get sacked already and if he doesn't get a result against Dundee I genuinely think some heads will completely explode and you yeah. won't hear the fireworks yeah. from everywhere. I mean, surely, I oh, sorry, Andrew. You just hope that, kind of, if with the best of respects, us idiots can see that game on Saturday and see that that formation is just not working. Curtis Main is not working. Then you talk Robinson and his team will be looking at that as well and thinking, right, the kind of the four-two-three-one has been is what's worked so far. That's what we were, when we went on the, the eight-game run. Uh, so let's just go back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to set up defensively against Dundee. Um, just play play to how the strengths of what we've been playing recently, and just uh, Ronan coming back as well. It's going to be a massive massive boost for us. So hopefully, you just just do the smart thing. It's I do get it because it's it's a weird situation that Robinson's kind of finding himself in, and where typically when a manager leaves somewhere or like a club kind of around the bottom six. It's because their kind of predecessor uh, was sacked for kind of poor performance. However, he's coming in replacing somebody who was poached for the kind of their successes. So it's a weird balancing act between not changing the winning formula, but kind of still wanting to put your own stamp on in the squad. And I think maybe just slightly overreached on Saturday. And obviously, I've seen people talk about he's, he's quite a in the past, he's been quite loyal to his kind of his his guys, so I can see why Curtis Main would be his kind of go to. But I just would hope that the thinking would be watching that on Saturday that it's an experiment that you know hasn't worked and just revert to to what has been working on Saturday. Sorry, tomorrow the, Wednesday. Yeah, the, the only thing that that I've not, in terms of of what he said and how he's spoken about things, that the, the only thing I've not liked so far was I, I can't remember if this was post game from the weekend or, or if it was in print or, or what it was. But he said, you know, he came in and, you know, with things having gone so well and with not having had the time to meet the players, he thought let's try and keep things the same and and mm-hmm. um, and kind of, you know, keep keep that momentum. But he literally did that for twenty five minutes yeah. against against Hearts. Now in that game his his hand was forced and we've already said you can give him the Celtic game as well where I think it would have been madness to go in with four two. 3-1 and try and play a normal game um, there I think would have been pulled apart by by that Celtic team but if, if you're going to say you, you tried to keep the momentum and tried to do things then I think you have to include the county game in that you can't base it off a game with 10 men and a game at, at Parkhead and did the polar opposite in, mm-hmm. in Dingwall he went back to a team that you know that categorically hasn't worked for us mm-hmm. this season he, he made choices kind of quick decisions to change that and it didn't even change it back to, to that shape or, or not so the one thing he hasn't done other than in the first 20 minutes against Hearts is give what was working a chance and try to, to put his own kind of spin on that and I think he followed that point up by saying you know maybe the time is now to try and put my own stamp on things and I'm, I'm kind of thinking all you've done is stamp yeah. <laughs> since since you got here I don't and I'm, I'm by no means giving up on him I still think it was a good appointment given what yeah. other options were and I still think it would be crazy to make any kind of long-term judgment based on, on three games, but it will be interesting to see what team takes the, the field tomorrow night, and um, and what happens as a result of that, and then what happens 
um, you know, next time out after after that as well. At, at that point, it's a pattern. It's is he writing off this season to get to the summer and then build something else? And I don't think we're in a position sitting with you know such a small gap in um, mm. between what's ahead of us. Um, we're in a position where you can write that off. I think you're writing off an opportunity which might not come around just as as easily as it did this year. <clears throat> Next season, I think that's a I mean, that's a frustration, and I think he has to be careful. If we if we finish top six, his budget is probably going to be the biggest budget any Sutton manager has been given. Yeah, you would like to think. Yeah. Um, so surely he has some incentive to hit that top six, especially when you look like yeah, we've we've not won our last three games, but the league in the middle is that tight that it's it's not derailed our aims for top six. It's not derailed or aim my aim for Europe. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, by by Sunday morning, we could be, you know, knocking the door of top six mm-hmm. and in the semi final of a cup. So it just shows you how how easily a season can go from like a, a kind of generationally good one to you know another just another shite one. And I tomorrow is just a, just a massive game. And I'm, yeah. I'm really interested to see how he how he sets up, whether he, he kind of listens to the... Because you've got to assume his, his coaching team will be telling him, like, look, this is what worked mm-hmm. in January and February, so do I just do that? And I don't know. Like I say, if we if we can say something's not working, surely you'd hope that he can mm-hmm. and can rectify it for tomorrow. Especially when you, you also got to think that the last time a Sutton player scored a hat-trick was at Dens. And with uh, Hatrick Hero Alex Grieve just you know champ chomping at the bit to get that hat trick, you've got to start him um, and let him score this hat trick that we're all dying to see. And whether we find out if his hat tricks were Cody Cook style or like perfect, well crafted <laughs> hat tricks, Stevie Thompson's now. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we could briefly talk about the the Hearts game on Saturday. <laughs> Uh, it's really hard to, to judge because we, we looking forward to it but slightly wary but that's only because of our previous games if we go out and we absolutely smash Dundee then we'll be right fucking up for it it's just it's yeah. Yeah, I think they've, I got think a few, they've got a few injury concerns as well I believe so Good. we don't really know who kind of what kind of side they'll be fielding but yeah it's one that depending on tomorrow we'll either go in absolutely buzzing or ready for another Another shite against Hearts. Mm-hmm. We show up in, in Dundee and play an attacking game and take some goals off them and kind of get back to, to what we had been doing very recently. You can see that that's what he was aiming for and that's what he, he wants to do. We put a back five out tomorrow night or, or we pick it, put out a team like he has done the last um, the last couple of games against Dundee and you know exactly what team he's putting out mm-hmm. against Hearts. Mm-hmm. There's no way that he gives Dundee more respect than yeah. than he does um, Hearts in the quarterfinal. So I think um, I think the proof's going to be tomorrow night, um, which I don't know if that terrifies me or excites me or both in equal measure. My worry is we go absolutely smash Dundee and then we go revert to the back five against Hearts because of the the the, the game previous, which I mean, yeah. was only because of a sending off. But uh, as you said, Andrew uh, Connor Ronan. Should be back, and hopefully that just balances the team a bit better under that formation. But um, we will be back after this. Hi, I'm Alex Grieve, and you're listening to Misery Hunters. Thank you, Hatrick Hero, Alex Grieve. Magnificent. Uh, Sounded pretty buzzing there. Absolutely buzzing, and uh, that sound was brought to you by the Misery Hunters store, MiseryHunters.co.uk. Get the lovely buzzing mate, Alex Grieve t-shirt. Date. Uh, only seven pound delivery to to New Zealand. I went in and checked myself. So if you're listening, that's that's a steal. Yeah. Uh, now time for a section we haven't actually done in a while, but this is where Mark comes into his element. Uh, sounds like I'm teeing up a game. It's not a game, but it's time for. Hello, this is Billy Mehmet, and this is the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame. Let's do the dance. Well, it's good to have you back, Billy. Thank him. You know, I thought that I'd um, I'd left enough in, in place that were I not to be here for the podcast that 
you know, you guys would be able to pick that up and, and run with it, but apparently I'm the only person that cares about the club's heritage <laughs> um, and recognising people that deserve to be recognised. So, so here we are. Mm. Um, this one, we already mentioned it on, uh, on Twitter before recording. Didn't leave uh, much mystery for this one, I think. Given the the world as it currently stands and, and what's dominating the, the conversation, I think it's it's probably right that we recognise the, the small part in our history that Ukraine played in, in our kind of small link to there. So entering the, the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame is Sergei Baltacha Jr. For my money, the best Sergei Baltacha. Oh. <laughs> I say without any knowledge of his dad's career whatsoever. I think his dad had the better career. Yeah. Nah, they didn't play in pace with him. Um, I'd never played for Peter's house, so... <laughs> or or for Scotland under twenty ones. So <laughs> get that up, you Sergey Senior. Um who I believe is currently a PE teacher and Charlton coach. Yeah. So uh, good on him. Um Sergey Baltacha Junior was born in Kiev to his Soviet international dad and was a an early member of the, the famous Dynamo Kiev youth team. How how are you spelling Kiev here? K Y IV, Jamie, the correct way, (laughs) the correct way for our our brothers (laughs) in in that part of the world. Um, Yeah, part of the same youth team, not not the the same, uh, you know, I'm not talking the Kiev 79s or anything, but the same youth team in general that put out Andrei Shevchenko, Sergei Rebrov, among many others, they they know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Junior. And, uh, and Oleg Blocken, you know, national hero and all that. Um, for some reason, his dad decided to move to Perth um, because, uh, because who wouldn't? Um, via Ipswich. And uh, young Sergey ended up not pushing on while he was a member of the Dynamo youth team, but pushing on while he was a member of Canoel Juniors in, uh, in Perth. And, uh, and through that, earned, uh, earned a spot at the, the Buddies. More than more than fifty starts over two and a bit years, three goals, um, a, a key part of the the bubble Dinny burst team, and then a, 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 I think slightly less appearances the, the year after in the top flight. Um, I put it out on a on Twitter and Facebook to try and gather um, as many memories as possible about Sergey and his time in the stripes, and uh, apart from people asking which Sergey was talking about. And people not understanding if uh, if his late sister was actually his mother, not understanding if if Sergey Junior played tennis or not. Um, the, the kind of main football memory that came back was his goal in a four one demolition of Morton at Capello, a tap in in front of the the wee Dublin end, and for that he'll, he'll always deserve our respect. He um, gathered a bit of um, a bit of headline, um, he grabbed a couple of headlines, making three appearances for the the Scottish under twenty ones. Which uh, I think was not what many people expected, but also earned him the distinction of being the first Scottish player without any Scottish blood to to earn a to earn a cap at that level or above. He was he was the the first. He um, he could have uh, he could have played I think under the kind of complicated rules at the time for Russia, Ukraine, any one of the home nations, and there was a third. Um, there was a third other option that he could have played for as well, but he decided to to play for Scotland. He, um, he, his dad was interviewed for the, the Courier in Dundee a few years ago and said, I feel like I have Scottish blood. My son still lives in Glasgow. He's never wanted to leave. When he played for St Man, there was a German club who wanted to sign him, and while he was over there, he phoned me. He said the weather was better, so was the money, but he just wanted to come back to Scotland. And so... Back he came, and, and fair enough, I'm not going to question that decision. Um, he, he left for a couple of trials in England. He eventually signed, I think, for Millwall, but it, it didn't uh, didn't come to much. And, and surprisingly, after that, didn't uh, didn't secure um, kind of uh, you know kind of top level or, or full time football up here again. He played played some juniors football. I think Andrew's already, already mentioned Peter Hill, and then chucked it for a career in finance, which I think he, uh, which I think he still does, which is. You know, Scottish football's loss, but but uh, financing our capital cities gain. So I, lo- I, I love Craig's comment in our WhatsApp chat that he worked with them 
but didn't know if it was the same one. I mean, how many people are called that? No, but that's the thing. There is another guy called Well, he's, he's that. Also... <laughs> so, so, I didn't know if it was that Sergei Baltic. I thought it was maybe the other one who was an international footballer and played at the Euros in the World Cup. In Sergei's own words, and I thought, I thought maybe the best way to finish this, given the, the reason that, um, that he came to mind for this one, is that he said around the time when he was getting his under-21 caps, I probably feel more Scottish than Ukrainian now because I spent most of my life here, but I'll never forget my roots. And I thought, that's probably the mm-hmm. fairest way to end it. My couple of memories of Sergei Baltacha, I remember it was either against Airdrie or Clyde. When I, like, at a certain age, all my memories of these games, like, was their stadiums were very similar in the way the away yeah. fans went in. So I can't remember if it was Airdrie or Clyde. And we got a free kick outside the box, and ev- and Ser- Sergei Baltacha lined himself up to hit it, and everybody was like, "What? Don't let that fucking big idiot take it!" Blah blah. <laughs> and I remember my stepdad going, "No, I had a dream last night. That's going in the top corner." And what did he do? Slotted right in that top corner. Beautiful, and never seen again. <laughs> my other memory of Ser- Sergei Baltacha was in Chapman 0102. You could sell them for a good price and that would essentially fund the rest of your your, your team. DC, DLC, mm-hmm. DMC, MC, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Him and Chris Ray, you could sell them. That got you a good two million to spend. And uh, I'll say this quietly, and Stephen McGarry, you could get a, you know, a wee 1.2, 1.5 for Stephen McGarry. Also, randomly... Was it Tom Brown you could sell for a bit? There was a, a few players in there that you could sell. Tom Brown's for. a bit older. He uh-huh. was he was it was Paul Rudden. He'd get a wee, mm-hmm. get a decent price in for Paul Rudden. And I, I used to always buy um see everyone talks about um Mark Kerr, but generally see if you went any team uh, and signed Simon Lappin, he would get he'd rack up the assist stats and the goals like something else. Like I know that's we're talking about Sergei Baltach and we've kind of detailed a bit. <laughs> this is important, <laughs> but yeah, like you, you get quite a quite a good wage for them. Um, and the other thing I was going to mention was the whole thing with like his late sister uh, Elena, that everybody put claim to her for the tennis. Like I don't know, just because he played for St. Martin, for some reason the Paisley Daily Express would report on her as a Paisley tennis player. If you yeah. Google her, so the Paisley Daily Express appears. Ipswich's newspaper appears because that's where she was born mm-hmm. um, and someone else has claimed to it maybe Perth like all three are claiming her kind of thing but there was um, I, I went and did a bit of a deep dive trying to find some articles to pull some some quotes from and, and to be honest I'm pleased with the two I found <laughs> that, that took a bit of searching but um, there was also another article which genuinely seemed to make you know front page news in the PDE about Elena almost missing Sergei's wedding because <laughs> she was playing in a tennis tournament. <laughs> that was deemed to be, you know, kind of the issue of the day. And she, was... didn't, she didn't even miss the wedding. Oh. She went to the wedding. The oh. headline wasn't that she missed a wedding. She nearly Her brother's wedding, wedding to play tennis. She almost, but then decided she couldn't. It's because she was British number one. That was the whole thing. It was like, oh, we've got a link to her. Yeah. Let's get it in the PDE. Um, whether she had a Paisley link or not, who knows. Um... Yeah, welcome to the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame, Sergey. I'm pretty sure he's one that we could easily reach for a Zoom call at some point. Yeah, there's there was mention already on Twitter of someone. I mean, forgetting the fact that, that Craig like worked at the same place as him, someone else messaged me on Twitter and said that they worked. Uh, they knew him through work as well and could could maybe get a message to him. So if you're listening, Sergey, drop us a wee a wee DM. Hoku uh, still has the the Backstreet Boys style blonde highlights because as a kind of 10 year old getting into football I just thought that was the, the coolest thing I've ever seen I thought who is this guy he's like 19 feet tall he's he's gonna be the next the next sound in Japan <laughs> and yeah just lo- loved him man um that and I, just that, that surname in a in a team where the other surnames were like Mackenzie Walker Rudden yeah. Ross I was about to have that was just a bit a bit exotic, a bit especially in the old um, the old first division, like where foreign players were extremely rare to have a Baltacha in there. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm misremembering this, but did he have an earring which he taped over to play? 
I'm sure with I remember that with the blonde hair. That seems like more of a Jens Paisley thing. Yeah, I think he had it as well, but, <laughs> but I don't not his earring <laughs> <laughs> or his tape. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome, sir. There we go. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Nice to have you. <laughs> Uh, miseryhunters.co.uk you can get our brand new Alex Grave t-shirt we've also got the meatball t-shirt up there the Scotland game's coming soon maybe probably delayed but still get it in time for that um, Andrew's blog is up there his new one will be going up tomorrow morning maybe <laughs> if I remember and... oh, you give me that face for Jimmy you're the one in charge of it I'll try. It's in my email inbox and it should have been up already. I apologise. I will get it up. So much in favour of Jamie being called out for admin on the podcast. <laughs> when there's one person in charge of all the admin of the podcast, occasionally things get slipped. Right, okay. Fine. <laughs> I thought you were going to come to defence of the Billy Mammoth Hall of Fame and I was like, for 20 minutes of that podcast, yes, but the rest of it, no. <laughs> um, yeah, and... Uh, that's just, fuck Vladimir Putin. Fuck Mark McGee. Fuck Rachel Rovers. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.